Hallelujah. Thank you, West Coast Conference Choir, for singing. Praise God. This has been a very momentous week. The good presence of the Lord has met with us night and day. The preaching of the Word of the Lord has found us. Can you say praise the Lord? We're going to take a moment right now, and we're going to ask the Lord to visit us one more time tonight. There's a little bit of distraction, a little distracted spirit around in this building right now, but the Lord wants to visit His people. Let's pray that God will pour out His Spirit again in this house tonight, God. We're looking to You. We're reaching for You. We're offering up, God, the sacrifice of praise, inviting Your Spirit one more time. Speak to us tonight. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. At 30 years of age, Jesus began his earthly ministry. And upon the shoulders of young followers called disciples, he entrusted the only saving message. Everybody say praise God. He entrusted the only saving message. And on the day of Pentecost, a very young Peter picked up the mantle of God's precious anointing and preached to us the message that we still preach. On the first night of West Coast Conference, a young man of 41 years of age brought us near to the presence of the Lord. And we asked God at the conclusion of that service, mark us with those marks that identify us as the worshipers and the glorifiers of the Lord. Last night, a 31-year-old man of God walked in the Spirit and brought us nigh to the throne of God as we followed the moving of the ark. Tonight, a young man who just celebrated his 32nd birthday will be ministering to us from this pulpit. In the year 1983, when the first Fresno meeting called PSR was inaugurated, the eldest member of that committee, the eldest by five years, was 43 years of age. And some of those members were barely into their 30s and out of their 20s. What has happened? West Coast Conference this year, it just seems to me that the Holy Ghost has orchestrated one more time that on the strength of the shoulders of young men, He has brought us near to His presence and His Spirit. The man who is about to grace this pulpit, Pastor Jonathan Dudley, pastor of Family Heritage Church in Wichita, Kansas, is not a novice, though he is only 32 years of age. He is not a man without experience. He worked in the Christian school. He was an assistant to the pastor, a full-time successful evangelist, traveling our nation and preaching the gospel, and now an anointed pastor and an anointed preacher for West Coast Conference tonight. The preponderance of the congregation on Friday night at West Coast Conference 
is usually young men and young ladies. And tonight, we bring one of your own, an anointed man. Brother Dudley, we trust you. The Lord trusts you. This conference trusts you. And we're ready to receive the word of God that is placed in your heart. Lift up your voice and thank God as the man of God comes to minister. Let's really worship the Lord together now, could we? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lift your voice with me. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Wonderful Jesus. Wonderful Jesus. It's good to be here this evening. God bless you. If you be seated for just a moment, I want to say how thankful I am for an opportunity to be here. The first time at West Coast Conference, I appreciate the warm welcome, generous hospitality, beautiful room, well-prepared meals. My family and I have been made to feel a part, and I appreciate that very much. It's already been stated, if I could reiterate, the planning, organization, and work that has gone into this meeting behind the scenes is incredible and we are benefactors of that and uh, give honor where honor is due appreciate all of the musicians and singers and the choir I enjoyed the beautiful apostolic singing of this choir give honor to this host of saints congregation of the people of God And to all the ministry that is represented here, God bless each of you. After the first night's service, our meal following that service, there was a gentleman that asked me if I was the man that preached the first night. And I was very tempted to take credit for that, but uh, could not, could not take credit for preaching the first night. But I did take comfort in knowing that it's difficult to see from way back where in this building. And I really was hoping that uh, that would just kind of spill over tonight and maybe the next few days. I wouldn't mind at all if you think that I'm Brother Weeks. That would uh, be in my favor and to my benefit if you... Get up close, you'll realize I'm not that strong and I'm not that tall. But uh, I do appreciate the ministry of each of these men, Brother Weeks the first night, Brother Jones and Brother Blakely the first day, Brother Lambeth the last night, and this morning at the young men's meeting, Elder Garrett talking to us, and then Brother Townley and Brother Booker. Today, God bless each of these men. And then I want to say that appreciate being teamed up with Brother Rocha as well. God bless him. This afternoon as we were leaving the restaurant, there was a gentleman that asked about this convention. And asked if we were here for the convention and we told him we were. He asked me if I had met Dr. Von Morton. And said, yes, sir, I have met Dr. Von Morton. 
He said he is a tremendous man and uh, went on to describe his character and uh, marks of Christianity about this man and proceeded to tell me that Elder Morton was responsible for 22 offspring churches right here in this area. And I'm not here to argue or dispute the accuracy of that, but I will say that Elder Morton is certainly a reason for young men to keep dreaming. And I appreciate his example and inspiration to all of us. I, too, will cherish the knife that Elder Morton gave us and will display it in the office back home. Elder, thank you for the invitation and the kindness that you have shown my family and I. Thank you for the pink pocket knives for my two girls. Amen. In their absence, I still would like to give honor to my father and mother. I love and appreciate them very, very, very much. My wife and two girls are here with me, and I love them to no end. I, uh, I would like to define for you what torture is. Torture is knowing that you'll be preaching at West Coast Conference 10 months in advance. And then after you arrive, listening for three days as preachers cover points you intended to make after months of preparation. That is a slow, agonizing death. If you would stand with me here this evening, I'd like for you to turn to the book of Psalms, chapter number 100. I feel like Ned in knee breeches here tonight. This is a tall order for a short lad. I noticed just these common chairs on this platform. When I sat back, I don't think that my feet would even reach the floor. I certainly need the help of God, and I need the help of this congregation, if you'd be so kind. I know Friday night there are probably certain expectations. I need just a few moments here tonight at the onset of this preaching to establish a precedent. Would you give me just a few moments to establish the direction for this preaching? Not put too many, too many expectations on me. Psalms chapter number 100, I'll read verse number 5 all by itself. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. Would you say amen to the reading of God's Word? One more time, I'm going to ask you, let's, let's talk to the Lord and ask God to help us here. And speak to us. Oh, Lamb of God, we are nothing. Without you, we can do nothing. We rely upon you today, God. You are our source of help and strength. I pray, Lamb of God, that your word would be spoken. I pray, Lamb of God, that your presence would be felt. I pray, Lamb of God, that our hearts would be stirred. 
oh God, the will of 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 God. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I would like to preach for the next few moments from this subject, the generational transfer. Adam and Eve disappointed God by disobeying His commandment. By their sin, wickedness became great in the earth. And God judged the world with a flood. The only father to survive the flood was a man by the name of Noah. And with Noah, God established His first covenant with man. Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 18, God said, But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. This covenant was with just one man. God said, I will establish my covenant with thee. But it did affect Noah's family. For Noah was to bring into the ark his wife and his sons and his sons' wives. God further established his covenant with Noah. In Genesis chapter 9 and verse number 8, God said to Noah and to his sons with him, saying, I behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you. The covenant progressed from being between God and a man to being between God and a man and that man's seed after him. But God was not yet satisfied with this covenant establishment. In Genesis chapter 9 and verse number 12, God said, This is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. First of all, God said the covenant is between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. The second covenant that God established with man was with Abraham. In Genesis chapter 17 and verse number 7, God said, I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. First of all, God said, this is between me and thee. Second of all, God said, and thy seed after thee. And after thee and thy seed. Then thirdly, God said, in their generations for an everlasting covenant. In verse number 9 of Genesis chapter 17, God reiterated that covenant and said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant therefore, thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. 
in the family of this patriarch known as Abraham, a very well-known family in Scripture. This covenant was established and honored beginning with the father Abraham. And it would appear that from Abraham to his son Isaac, the covenant remained steadfast. And from Isaac to his firstborn, it would appear that the covenant was not relayed. Esau somehow missed it. But with some struggle, the covenant was transferred into Isaac's secondborn, a man named Jacob. And then looking at the lineage of Jacob, the generations that followed him, in the end of the book of Genesis, we find Jacob on his deathbed. And there he calls his sons together. And by the curses that he pronounces to his own sons, it becomes very obvious that some of them do not have the covenant in them. Jacob used such words as unstable as water. And thou shalt not excel. And referred to his own sons as instruments of cruelty in their habitations. And he cursed their anger and wrath and said, I will divide them in Jacob and I will scatter them in Israel. These statements that Jacob made concerning his sons were made in Egypt. And the only reason why that Jacob was at this time in Egypt is because of the evil jealousy of his firstborn sons toward Joseph. Looking at the big picture of this story, we understand that God did turn the evil intent of those elder sons into good. But I want to make the point here tonight that Jacob did not want to go to Egypt. Even though there was famine in Canaan's land, God had to very specifically let Jacob know that it would be okay for him to go down into Egypt's land. God gave Jacob a vision to make that known unto him. And after Jacob arrived in Egypt, one of the first prophecies that came from his lips, Jacob told Joseph that once again, him and his family would inhabit the land of Canaan, the land of their fathers. And then Jacob's last request is that they not bury his body in Egypt, but rather they carry his bones back to Canaan's land and bury him with his fathers. Jacob's last association, he wanted it to be with his fathers. I really think that one of the main reasons that Jacob was willing to go to Egypt was so that one last time he could look at his sons and speak to them collectively all together. I do not 
think that it was about escaping the famine. We know that he didn't want to go in the first place and certainly he did not want to die there. But this was about one last chance to put something in his sons. I don't want to get caught up here but let me make the point. Oh the place that some elders have had to die trying with their last remaining breaths to put the right things in the next generation right near right near the end of Jacob's life he is weary in mind and he is worn in body but he wants to try to ensure that in his sons and in his son's sons there is a recognition and realization of who they are and their purpose and where they were from and where they belong and so though he's feeble in body and though he's where he really doesn't want to be in the first place he's got his old familiar staff with him and he leans upon that staff he does not want Joseph nor Joseph's children to have forgotten the sound of true worship and so he presents it to them again not only did he want them to remember the sound of true worship. Jacob wanted to bless his son and his son's sons. He wanted to put his hand upon their heads. I am convinced that Jacob wanted some kind of a spiritual transfer to go from his heart into the heart of his sons and into the heart of his grandsons. I am thankful for elders that refuse to allow us to forget what real worship sounds like, what real worship feels like. Though they may be tired, though they may have prayed long and worked hard for many years, those sweat might have creased their brow and they might have toiled and labored for a long time in spite of their weariness in spite of their feebleness they refuse to allow us to settle for something less than the real and the genuine amen amen one last time he wanted to look into his son's eyes and somehow corral their wonderings and instill in their spirit a desire for their homeland in fact after the Jacob addressed his sons the Bible tells us that he gathered his feet into his bed and he yielded up the ghost it would seem to me that the only thing keeping Jacob alive was a driving burden to instill the covenant in his sons and in his grandsons I want to say thank God for elders that have a burden for the oncoming generation it keeps driving them it keeps pushing them they still feel the weight of responsibility 
Amen. Will you stay with me for just a few moments here this evening? From Jacob to his sons, the covenant was established only in part. We find Joseph being the only one of Jacob's sons that is mentioned in the heroes of faith. And Joseph, he too died in Egypt, but requested that his bones be transported back to Canaan and that he too be buried with his fathers. Though that Joseph was wrongfully exiled to Egypt, he never lost his identity. He never lost his appreciation for the covenant that started with his great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather, and was passed on to him. All the while, 10 or 11 other boys that lived in Canaan and didn't have to go to Potiphar's house and never had to inhabit the prison, they seemingly struggled to find and appreciate their identity, even though they were raised in Canaan's land. I, I want to say here tonight, God help some of us young bucks that have cut our teeth on the back of apostolic church pews and have heard the finest of teaching and the finest of preaching for years on the end. We have been blessed to experience the glory and the power and the grace of Almighty God. And we have, we have, if we're not careful, we have and will continue to have a mentality of entitlement. I pray that God would give us a deep hunger and God would give us a true desire and passion for the things of God, not just going through the motions because we happen to be born into this family. We happen to be apostolic. Our parents are. Our grandparents are. Our great-grandparents are. Don't you recognize you're in Canaan's land? Don't you recognize you're in the church? Don't you recognize you've got an opportunity? Amen. Even though most of Jacob's sons did not appreciate the covenant, God did not forget his covenant. And he continually tried to establish it with Israel in Jacob's sons. In Exodus chapter number 2 and verse number 24, God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God had respect unto them. Hey, I'm thankful for every prayer that's been prayed by a former generation. But I don't want to be guilty of living on the prayer that somebody else prayed. Amen. Amen. Let me preach on just a minute here. In Exodus chapter number 19, at Sinai, God established a covenant with Israel that was for all the children of Israel or the house of Jacob. And that covenant included the 
future generations. In addition to covenants, God also established memorials that were not unto just one, but unto all generations. And if you will oblige me this evening without reading these scriptures in their entirety, this educated congregation should be able to make a spiritual application of the type and shadow that I want to present to you here this evening. God established to be for a memorial to all generations. His name forever. He said, and this is my memorial unto all generations. He established the Passover. This day shall be unto you for a memorial throughout your generations. You shall observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. It is to be a night much observed. It is to be observed of all the children of Israel in their generations. The bowl full of manna. God said I want you to take a pot and I want you to put a bowl an omer full of manna therein and lay it up before the Lord to be kept for your generations. The lamp it was to be ordered from evening to morning before the Lord and it was to be a forever unto their generations. It was to be a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. The altar, the altar, the altar, the altar. They were to make an atonement there throughout their generations. It was to be a statute forever throughout their generations. They were to wash their hands and wash their feet that they die not at the altar. The holy anointing oil, it was to be unto God throughout their generations. They were to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. May I say that the Sabbath is not celebrated in a day, but rather in an experience. And the Holy Ghost is our rest. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people to whom he said, this is the rest and this is the refreshing. Amen. Amen. The sound of the trumpet was to be an ordinance forever throughout their generations. The feast of tabernacles was to be a statute forever that the generations may know that God brought Israel out of the land of Egypt. The commandments God said know therefore that the Lord thy God he is God, the faithful God which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. There were laws concerning the stranger and laws concerning tithing and laws concerning the fringes of the garments and laws, statutes of judgments that were to be regarded by every generation. And for 128 years after the first covenant was 
was made with Israel. Even after Jacob and Joseph's death, God kept reminding Israel of his covenants. He spoke his covenants. He had his covenants written. He memorialized his covenants with physical objects. Please understand West Coast Conference. This was God's idea. This was God's plan. This is what God wanted. He wanted his covenant to continue. God said, but my righteousness shall be forever and my salvation from generation to generation. The psalmist said, thy faithfulness is unto all generation. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. I am not preaching to you tonight what I feel like would be a good idea. This is not on my agenda. I have presented to you the word of God. This is the plan of God. This is the purpose of God. This is what God wants for there to be a perpetuation of the covenant relationship from generation to generation. It was not only God that wanted it this way. The elders wanted it this way as well. Moses prayed and said, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. The psalmist said, now also when I am old and gray-headed, oh God, forsake me not until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. The psalmist again said, one generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, all the elders. It was their heartbeat. It was their drive. It was their purpose. They were linked up with God. We gotta instill it. We gotta implant it. We gotta impart it. We gotta transfer it. They gotta feel it. They gotta want it. They gotta love it. They gotta live it. God continually reminded, continually reminded Israel of his covenants until finally before the kings, he made his last and final plea for a generational transfer. And after that final plea for 19 years, the voice of God is silent. He does not say one word again. And Judges chapter 2 says that when that generation were gathered unto their fathers, there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. What a digression. First of all, they forgot the covenant, but it digressed even worse. They forgot the God of the covenant. They did not know the Lord. And the psalmist said that God looked 
down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand that did seek God I understand in my preaching the way that I am here tonight you may feel like that I am entirely going to be negative that is not my purpose here tonight that is not my heart and I have not stepped outside of the word to preach to you what I feel like preaching to you here tonight and so please don't judge or critique me just yet because I do not mean to be negative but I do mean to preach history in the word of God so as to prepare and arm us against the same fallacy in our future God looked to see if there were any that did understand that did seek God and he finally said every one of them is gone back they are all together become filthy there is none that doeth good no not one. I present to you tonight that somehow the generational transfer failed. It failed. It did not reach from one heart to the next. The baton of truth and love for truth did not reach from one hand to the next. It failed. It failed. And the writer of Proverbs asked a question. And I want to ask a question to this congregation of young people here tonight. He said, Doth the crown endure to every generation? I want to know, does the crown endure to this generation? 2013, this group of young people, does the crown endure to you? Hey Amen. You're going to let me preach for just a little bit. What kind of conference would we have here if we took everyone 40 and above out? If 40 and above walked out here tonight, what kind of prayer would we have had before church? What kind of worship service would we have? What kind of singing? What kind of praise? What kind of preaching? What kind of an altar service? Amen. Amen. I really do not want to focus on the failure of the generational transfer tonight except to learn from it. I want to focus on the perpetuation of truth. And with the resounding yes, I want to answer the question of the writer of Proverbs and proclaim boldly that the crown is going to endure unto every generation. Amen. The prophet Isaiah said, And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places, and thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. I understand that Israel is recently removed from Babylonian captivity, but I do not think that in its entirety that the prophet is speaking of just the last 70 years of Babylonian captivity. I feel like that the breach was much lengthier in time than that. The foundation 
foundations of many generations, the prophet said, would be raised up. You see, former generations' foundations had been destroyed. And because they had been destroyed, there was no connection to the present day foundation. And that disparity is depicted by the prophet Ezra when they laid the foundation of the temple of God. And all the young folks got a tambourine and they got cymbals and they began to dance around and begin to worship and praise the Lord. And all of that is good and in order in its place. But there were some ancients, there were some elders that remembered what the old foundation looked like. And they said, hey, we're not rejoicing. Hey, I don't want to be a part of a youth service where that I'm leaping and the old man is crying. I don't want to be a part of a Sunday night modern evangelistic service where that the elders wipe their eyes. And so you have the case of incongruent foundations. And the psalmist said that if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? I present to you tonight that we need the support system of bygone generations. And if we do not get the foundation right, it will not matter what is built thereon. Somebody has got to stand in the gap. Somebody has got to make up the hedge. Somebody has got to fill up the breach. There seems to be an ever-widening chasm of space between this current generation and former generations. The wall has been broken. Young people, somehow we must stay connected to our past and instill it in our future. I'm not here tonight to glorify the past, but neither will I disregard or disdain the past. I want to give honor to the pioneers of this gospel who blazed trail through thick and thin and built houses that I'm blessed to live in and planted vineyards that I'm blessed to eat of. <laughs> Amen. I want to be on this. I want to be connected to their foundation. We need to be standing on the same rock. Amen. The prophecy of Pentecost, it included the old and the young. The old men were going to dream dreams, and the young men would see visions. I present that the young man's vision needs to match the old man's dream. I'm going to obey the word of God here tonight. Deuteronomy chapter number 32 and 7 said, Remember the days of old and consider the years of many generations. I'm going to stand however unpopular it may be and preach tonight in defense of the old church. I'm going to preach in defense of the old prayer meeting. I'm going to preach in defense of consecration. I'm 
preach in defense of holiness. I'm going to preach in defense of fasting. I'm going to preach in defense of soul winning. I'm going to preach in defense of worship. I'm going to preach in defense of the name and the blood and the manner and the lamp and the trumpet.
baptism in Jesus' name for the remission of all your sins. Except a man is born of water, he cannot see or enter into the kingdom of God. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And we don't baptize in titles. We baptize in the name. The only name unto heaven given among men. Whereby we must be saved. All that you do in word or deed. Do it all in Jesus' name. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of If you can't connect to this, I'm sorry, friend. I'm not related to you. Receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost is not an optional experience. Neither is it a one-time experience. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And though the outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. And we're saved not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. It'd be good if you have not as of yet, before you leave this meeting tonight, you get an old-fashioned renewing in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. John said, there's one coming after me who is mightier than I, whose shoe latchets. I'm not worthy to reach down and unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Amen. Amen. Now we teach and preach against the doctrine of sprinkling in water baptism. Because it is unscriptural. The word baptize means to immerse. It means to submerge. It means to bury beneath. And nowhere in scripture does the word baptize change definitions. There's only one difference between water baptism and spirit baptism. You're water baptized by man, but you're spirit baptized by God. And some of us that are standing firm and staunch against the false doctrine of sprinkling when it comes to water baptism are embracing it when it comes to spirit baptism. All you're interested in is just a little doodad on the back of your neck once a week or every other revival. I'm telling you, you need to be baptized. Holy Ghost needs to hit you at the top of your head and go all the way to the bottom of your feet. Needs to get rid of all of our starch and all of our pride. I'm telling you, professionalism has crept into Pentecost and we as young people have learned to juke and jive in some kind of a rhythmic manner and we 
spontaneous response to the Holy Ghost. Hey, you ought to get out of rhythm. You ought to get slain in the spirit. You ought to be drunk. I'm tired of going through the motion thinking Jesus. I'm tired of just doing it because somebody said or somebody else is doing it. Where is it going to come from? A heart. Spontaneous response. Elder Morgan, I don't mean to be ugly tonight. It's not in my spirit to be ugly. But at the National Youth Congress, in a oneness organization that we're all familiar with, if not formally a part of, in the most recent National Youth Congress, the attendees were encouraged to download an app onto their smartphone iPad or Android device. The app is called thewhamcitylights.com and it would sync their mobile devices to the music program that had been established and their screens would flash and change colors producing light effects and a light show took place rather than old fashioned worship and praise unto God I don't mean to be ugly but you ought not have even been texting on your phone while this service has been going on I'm not interested in strobe lights I'm not interested in smoke screens I'm not interested in a ritual or program or entertainment I'm interested in a move of God to live for what the elders were ready to die for. I'm living for this. This is in me. This is a part of me. This is what I want to be. months ago, Brother Nathan Moore, we was involved in a service where it was locked up tight. The devil was fighting us uh, and prevailing to some degree. And the church went to prayer. There wasn't any other inspiration other than prayer. And in the middle of that altar call, after 45 minutes or so, there was a young teenage girl without any prompting at all. All of a sudden, she began to say, And there was a bishop there in that service, Elder Martin. And he said, yeah, 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 that right there. Do it again. And that little young woman went, 
tears streaming down out of her eyes and it wasn't long until the glory of God swept through that tabernacle later they were still praying a young man without a GameCube a young man without an Xbox young ladies without cell phones just in love with Jesus swept from side to side and from front to back and somewhere close to midnight hey, they had to get up and go to work the next morning but somewhere close to midnight they started carrying folks out to their cars and they had to designate drivers that night Would that, would that be all right at West Coast if we had to designate some drivers here tonight? These are not drunk as you suppose, seeing it's but the third hour of the day. But this is that former generation. This is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. I'm a Pentecostal and I'm not ashamed. I'm an apostolic and I'm not ashamed. Some of you young bucks, you don't have as much seal as this elder has. You haven't done anything but stand there and look at me the whole night. I want to know, what are you waiting on? I don't feel like letting up. I don't feel like relenting. I don't feel like stopping. It's Holy Ghost time. there in Wichita, Kansas. He can't jump like he used to. Can't run like he used to. Can't worship with enthusiasm like he used to. But arthritis has not got his vocal cords yet. Somebody doesn't get their healing right now. 
reminding you. Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus there's some services some services my grandfather sits back on the right hand side 83 years old the Holy Ghost begins to move there's some services I walk off that platform back there to where my good old grandpa sits and I take him by the right hand and we pray together and it's not very long until he starts rocking those shoulders and he'll start talking in tongues and this young boy will start feeling something from a former generation I'm telling you we need that connection the spontaneous response to the Holy Ghost Right where you're praying, right where you're worshiping. If some of you 18, 19 year olds, some of you 13 and 14 year olds, if you'd link up with a man if you're a man and a woman if you're a woman to a 50 year old or a 60 year old and we'd start praying together. The old men and the young men, the older women and the younger women, a generational transfer. Come on, Jacob, put your hand on Joseph's son. Touch Manasseh here tonight. Touch Ephraim here tonight. Winter may be coming. I don't think Paul's worried about a coat. I don't think he's worried about a cloak. I don't think he's worried about a parchment. I think he wants to see Timothy one more time. I think he wants to see Titus one more time. And he wants to join hands and make sure that there's a love for truth instilled. the way let it flow let it flow they used to shout their hair down they used to roll in the sawdust God deliver us from prideful Pentecost
Wait just a minute. Wait just a minute. We're going to obey the Bible here tonight. We are going to obey the Bible. I've asked Elder Hyder to help me. Read Psalms chapter number 100, please. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Read. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come, come before his presence with singing. Before his presence. You know what ushers in the presence? Singing. Read. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. Yes, read. It is he that hath made us. Yes. And not we ourselves. Read all. We, we are we his people. Yes. And the sheep of his pasture. Yeah, read. It turned to his gates with thanksgiving. Yes, read. And into his courts with praise. Yes, read. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Read. For the Lord is good. Yes. His mercy is everlasting. Yes. And his truth endureth to all generations. Yes. Let me tell you why. We're fixing to make a joyful noise. Let me tell you why. We're serving the Lord with gladness. Let me tell you why. We're entering into his gates with thanksgiving. And into his courts with praise. First of all, the Lord is good. And second of all, his truth endures to all generations. I feel like rubbing this in the nose of hell here tonight. Everybody's not compromising. Everybody's not lukewarm. Everybody's not selling out. Everybody's not throwing in the towel. Everybody's not sliding down a slippery slope. There's some young people that love truth. And because it endures, we're going to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Hey, let's make that noise right now.
awake, awake, oh Lord, awake, oh Lord, and put on strength. As in the ancient days, and as in the former generations, there's a group of young people, and I'm one of them tonight. I'm asking God to make this like an old camp meeting service, like the days of old. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. I believe it's the will of God for there to be healings. I believe it's the will of God for cancers to dry up. I believe it's the will of God for sugar diabetes to be brought under control. I believe it's the will of God for heart disease to be made of ill effect. Awake, awake, power from on high as in the days of old. 